Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning into another episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, and alongside me, former Sooner, wide receiver, 2000 national champion, Mr. Damian Mackey. DMAC, how are we doing today? Hey man, we're going bowling. So I can't complain too much. We well, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. I got I got a lot of complaints. But um <laughs> no nah, man, I'm I I'm proud of the team. They found a way to win. Defense showed up when they had to. Uh and, and just a lot of crazy things in the air as it relates to recruits and and you know, things like flip season and all that good stuff. So I'm sure it'll be a fun episode. Uh looking forward to to, to rocking with you again, man. It's always a good time. Absolutely, man. And and as you said. The weekend was more than just a game for Oklahoma. Yeah, as we know, this year a rebuild, a rebuilding year to some extent, uh, to a lot of extent, and it was important uh, to uh, to have a strong weekend with everybody that was on campus. And of course, if you want to know more about that, go check out Sooners360.com. But man, let's talk about the game a little bit. If if games were won in the first quarter alone. Oklahoma went out there and they dominated from the opening drive. The, the Sooners were clicking. The intensity was, was ratcheted up. You can tell it looked like a week where strong conversations were had, where they're getting to the end of the year and players know that the, the portal is going to be an option. Well, whether it's your option or whether it's a, uh, a, a coach's option, so to speak, the players stepped up, that there was a, a, a strong urgency that was, it was noticeable. Uh, the OU got off to a hot start offensively. The, the defense played really well. You know, Dylan Gabriel had these first quarter stats uh, right in front of me here. Let's take a look. So OU finishes with the win 28 to 13, but, uh, but man, it, a lot of it was done. All of it was done in the first quarter. Um, Eric Gray goes for ninety yards. You know the DG with a hot start has the has the long pass to Drake Stoops. Ends up throwing for two twenty four in the first quarter. Fourteen of eighteen, and uh, time of possession about even. But there was a lot of good. D- just talking first quarter alone, DMac. Let's take the rest of the game out of it. What did you think of the complimentary football uh, between the offense and defense? You know, the first quarter was fascinating, man. It was it was interesting to see what our ceiling could potentially be, right? I feel like in the first quarter, uh, um, the offense was in sync. There was a lot of chemistry. Uh, you know, it's interesting, right? It almost feels as if Dylan, when he doesn't think and he's kind of just instinctively reacting or doing what he's repped all week in practice this is what his potential uh looks like and so seeing you know 
a lot of balls spread around the field. I want to say five or six receivers caught balls in that quarter. Uh, obviously, we dissed the ball around in the run game. We had some QB run. I want and I want to get back to QB run because that's something that that's interesting to me. Um, but it was it was really good to see the defense playing with success, uh, making plays. I think Colden gets an interception. Yeah, you know. Um, D line. I mean, man, I gotta tell you what, Cole is making money. Cole is concerning me. Hey, Cole, you gotta come back, bro. I got, I gotta, I gotta figure. I gotta DM you on Twitter or something. No, I'm kidding. I'd never DM the guys, but uh, we need him to come back because he's playing really good football. Um, so seeing that first quarter, what it what it really lended to me is in uh, a bird's eye view of what our ceiling could be mm. if we get all the pistons rolling in the same direction. And it, it was kind of fun to just see guys in their element be a, be assertive, not necessarily aggressive and make plays. I think the game lended to uh, uh, obviously Levy scheming up. So, I mean, Levy schemed up a lot of those, you know, you got, you got Farouk on the wheel. It really, it's not, it's an overload, right? They run the flood concept and then they overload him streaking down the sideline you see how far away he was for freeman he's yeah. probably five yards that's it right like think about that like they literally use every inch of the width of the field because freeman's running up like the numbers and then you've got farouk literally just an, a yard outside the sideline wide open and, and that's just good coaching that's just good game plans obviously we can talk about the second half and what was left to be desired, but fun first quarter, Barry, again, seeing the guys uh, do the things that we expect Oklahoma to do that we've seen. OU do since I'd say Baker's first year, when we get on, when we get momentum, man, it, it's really hard to slow us down because we can just pour 35 on you in a quarter, 28 on you in a half, you know, 35 and a half, 28 in a quarter. And then of course the end of the first quarter came and the rest of the game was a whole nother adventure. Yeah, you touched on it with DG, and I know we were going back and forth uh, with some guys, and it just appeared that he wasn't, you know, thinking so much about what he was doing. He he was seeing red, hitting the target, and w when he d doesn't try to make the perfect throw, and doesn't panic in the pocket, just allows himself to to be free and uh, play play almost loose to, to a certain extent. He performs better. I, I think it was interesting uh, just seeing how how aggressive the play calling was um, early on, not only offensively, but defensively as well. And what I really enjoyed was getting a chance to see the, the potential of the defense with Venables being the, the architect or the orchestrator. It's still no secret. This is a Venables defense. It is not a roof defense. Uh, roof is simply running what Venables wanted to bring to Oklahoma. Um, and as the talent gets better, the defense will get better. But I, I kind of harken back to a year ago where Sanders essentially had his way at times with Oklahoma. He knew what OU was in. He knew what what throws he was going to have and what throws he was not going to have. And even the commentators, uh, Dusty, who did a fantastic job, that's actually a very, in my opinion, a very underrated crew with him and um, I think it's Tessator. I think that's a very underrated uh, color commentary crew. But you got to see what, uh, what a Venables defense is, is going to be able to do as the talent ratches, rat ratchets up. 
you're going to be able to do that to better opponents. Uh, confusing Sanders, giving him different looks. You had plays where you had um, R. Mason Thomas out there covering a guy um, on a in the slot before he uh, goes out to the flats. You just had a bunch of different concepts that you had not necessarily seen this year. And it was it was really good to see. It was good to see some positives uh, with as many negatives that have have come this season. Uh, but a lot of Let that ended. Quick. Go Let go me ahead. Touch on that. Let me touch. Before we jump into what we know, we're going to jump into. <laughs> I also want to say this, Barry, and you and you brought it up, and I had totally slipped my mind. We talked about this in the pregame, and we were talking about what we're going to be the keys to success, and, and I think we both said it. OU has not shown that they can come back from being behind. Mm. And you talked about the aggressive play calling in the first quarter, right? It was very clear that our coaches did two things last week in preparation for this game. Number one, they put together, and you're right, the word is aggressive. It's not assertive. They put together a very aggressive first quarter plan with the expectation of creating chunk and or big plays. That was very, very clear. But also... I would say our coaches also had a very uh, aggressive defensive plan, multiple fronts. I mean, we blitzed a ton yesterday. It was very interesting to see how many times Venables put two in a position where he could play going forward. It's almost as if, you know, I mean, obviously we know they watch film, but like it felt it to me especially defensively, Barry, it felt like we put our defensive players in more positions to do what they do well yesterday versus trying to get them to fit a scheme where maybe they're asked to do things that they uh, are not extremely experienced and or talented in. And we'll talk about that a bit more um, here in a sec, but I just, I didn't see as many one-on-ones where uh, DU is in a position where he's seven yards, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and he's responsible for stepping up and tackling Sanders in space. By the way, it happened a couple of times in the third and fourth quarter when we started blitzing through or rushing three and dropping in an eight and not giving up much underneath or, or the, the philosophy. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, man, those guys are here on fire going forward, lining up in the 30 with both of those guys in the B gaps, lining up in the 40 with those guys playing the edge defender and or coming looping around and some kind of fire dogs, cross dogs. I mean, it was it was pretty sweet to see uh, the defensive game plan say, you know what, we're not going to sit back because it felt like against West V, they were sitting back and Green ate them up. By the way, guys, Green went back to earth last week. I think he had like 13 carries for 17 yards. Go figure. We make him look like freaking Michael Vick. But uh, um, it, I think I think after watching that game, the coaches learned a lesson and said, hey, our guys, we can't expect our guys to sit back and, you know, kind of win as an athlete in space. And I talked about Spencer probably being the, the best athlete in our front seven. Well, when you're cutting off angles predetermined via blitz or via scheme and guys are just hauling ass to areas it, it kind of nullifies that and as obviously we saw he didn't have near the success running the ball but also we saw the offense playing in a way where right dylan doesn't have to do a lot of thinking at the beginning levy's really doing that for him and scheming things up based upon what we think they're going to be in defensively and our defense saw our offense score i was talking to my buddy last night after the game and he flat out said When the offense scores 28, the defense looks at each other and says, we got to hold it down. And it was good to see them do that 
over the course of the rest of the remaining three quarters. Yeah, and the energy was strong. And I, I guess we'll start with the defense first because I, I felt that there were were more positives there throughout the rest of the game than there were on offense. And we'll obviously cover that. But the the grading on this thing probably feels a little strange because the first quarter was so good. The the first quarter set the tone for the rest of the game. It, it's not to say that everything after was was poor. But you, you could see some of the aggressive play calling, as you said, going into more of those, those max coverage looks. It, it kind of went away as the game felt like it was in hand. Uh, and, and OU struggled in zone coverage all year. It, it's, it's not been something that they have uh, been the best at. And, and Spencer was able to, to find some open looks. He ends up throwing 67 passes on, what was really a bum shoulder. I'm surprised he finished the game, but you know, dude, dude's a gutsy player. I said uh, to a couple people when he was on the sideline, just the the fire the guy has. He he's definitely a competitor. He's just on the wrong team, but but throws 67 passes. The secondary for as many throws as they saw held up really well. You had Bowman who gets the pick, uh, Colden who gets the pick in the first quarter. It, it felt like they were able to come up with, with some timely turnovers, which is something that has been missing from this team. How many times this year has OU been on the precipice of, of maybe sealing a game or, or closing off that one score that, that, that puts that team within reach or with arm's distance, and then they can't do it. In this game, they were able to get multiple stops down near near the red zone or in the red zone. That there were a lot of positives, both in the secondary and in the front seven. But I, I want to ask: Were there still things in this game, and if so, what were they that that still gives us a little bit of that that seed of doubt when when OU goes to Lubbock this next weekend? Yeah, so I mean, first things first, man. We got, like you said, man. We gotta play. We gotta pay proper homage to what the guys were able to do last night. The defense played well across the board, winning football. By the way, at all three levels, the D line was wreaking havoc, making things happen. Redmond shows up as an alpha dog. I think Cole's the alpha of that group, though. Redmond probably is the most athletic, most talented, but Cole's the alpha dog. I mean, I, he, he, it's pretty apparent. Something needs to happen. He's generally in the mix, but Redmond made huge plays, huge plays too. Huge plays Redmond made and salute to him for that. Uh, backers, man, I look, DU going forward still looks good to me. Um, stuntsman again, I think, you know, it's double digit tackles. You know, these guys, uh, they, like you said, they struggle with zone and we're going to talk about that. That's, that's the, in my opinion, their biggest issue in the past game is is the second level identifying zone i think they're still treating it like jv football where the coach says go up the hash and and read the quarterback's eyes you can't do that in in, in college d1 power five big 12 conference football you've got to look up a man and carry him until someone else comes and you only can do that at what's called 45 so you got to be at a 45 degree angle where you can see your responsibility and have an eye on what's behind you or what's coming um and then of course the secondary man let's see we had a uh, we had man bowman's pick was sweet coden sweet does coden get two is that what it is no, deshaun white has he no white has the one luwalu has one off oh, the wow. woody deflection yeah 
Yep, yep, yep. There it is. That's the fourth one. And um, I would love to see the stat, by the way, on like when a defensive lineman intercepts a, a pass in a game. I would love to know what the winning percentage is for that game. That would be so interesting yeah. to know. I bet it's well, well, Let me ask you, what do you think? Do you think it's like over 50%? Do you think yes. it's extremely substantial? Do I think you? it's substantial. You don't think I, sometimes it's just fluky? No, I, I I bet if we went there, I, well, I mean, turnovers are obviously going to swing games in your favor, but Correct. but it feels like when a defensive lineman is able to, to get their hands on a turnover, um, especially an interception, those games typically feel like games where what where there's some domination going across uh, that that front seven. So I'd be curious to know that. I wonder if anybody has ever done that. Uh, I'm I'm gonna look that up after the pod. That when you find out, let me know. I, I will. That's interesting information. I want to know that. But anyways, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, good across the board, all three levels. Concerns, the same concerns we've had. Uh, well, well, let me tell you about some concerns that I think are improving. Our D tackles are getting better. I think it's it's very it's very clear to see that Bates is teaching them. I saw Co and Kelly get skinny and split a double team twice. Co more than twice. I saw Ellison do an arm over move. Where you kind of stick your foot in the ground and and you kind of your, your leg dies. It's the dead leg, right? You get the dead leg and then you get the old lineman to overextend and you put your arm over his over you you put your arm over their arms and it kind of pushes their weights against them and you can get through. There's clearly um, technique being taught to those guys on how to win one on one matchups and and that's what's going to get you paid. That's when I get you to to play ball on Sunday unless you're six three two three hundred and thirty pounds and running a four seven. Otherwise, you've got to be very, very creative and an expert per se with your hands. That that makes me happy. Um, I I still saw a lot of um, non edge integrity by our D line. If we run a stunt and whoever is coming to replace the guy going inside and that guy's going outside, zero edge integrity. If Sanders has a higher IQ, there's three or four more plays where he's out the gate. If he simply just pushes the edge because the D end or the tackle looping around is not beating the outside shoulder. They're trying to go underneath and it's and it's it's wide open. I I you know I hate to be the biggest critic of two, but there are too many plays where two ducks under linemen. In the second half, uh, they're starting to get their momentum back. I believe it's after they the, the bogus PI that they call on on Woody, which is tragic, and the bogus holding call that they call on Harrison, which is bogus, and of oh. course the blatant holding call that they miss on their right guard or right tackle, either or on their own three yard line where they catch that slant. I mean, it's it's blatantly right in front of the up. I don't, I don't know how he misses it, especially once he calls Harris. Harrison never even grabs the guy. He pushes him, kind of muffs him a little bit, and then he pushes him again, and they call a hold. Like, what are we doing here? Big 12 is definitely trying to shove it on us. Um, but they get a little momentum, Barry, and the Nixon kid is, is starting to get some, you know, just, you know, nothing crazy. But the defense is not trying to give up a huge play. But I'm watching DU, and there are plays where he just makes a business decision, Barry. 
He makes a business decision because he's slow to react. He gives the guard enough time, or sometimes it's an uncovered center, but he gives the inside uh, uh, offensive lineman time to get on him. And instead of scraping across his face, which cancels the gap, even though he can't make the play and the running back can cut up because he's so slow, there is kind of a natural alley for a cut up. But on the play side, there's two plays. He just ducks under the lineman. And we do you know what happens when you duck under a lineman? What do you think the lineman does? Do you know what the lineman does? Goes to the next guy. He just goes to the next guy. So you're literally <laughs> taking yourself out of the play and a safety or the backside pursuit, right? The backside, you know, the the cheetah, if the cheetah's on the other side of the formation, now this lineman, he's not going to turn around and chase you. You're going away from the play, right? When you, so it, 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 it irks my soul because, okay, got it. You're slow, but you have to take on that block because if you don't, the lineman just goes to someone else because you're already out of the play. And sure enough, he goes. And I think he he changes whoever the backside safety or if it's white as the cheetah. He changes his angle and Nixon's able to turn a five yard gain into like a 19 yard gain. Go watch the play. And all DU has to do is even though he's getting beat. If he just flattens out that defender and the defender has to keep running his feet through him, we have an extra third level defender who has an angle to tackle him at like seven yards. But that lineman gets to climb to the third level and DU is effectively out of the play and they make a play out of it. So that that's one play. I think it happens twice and both times it pisses me off. But those are things that will get you killed. And by the way, those are things the casual fan won't see. The casual fan doesn't see that. They miss that. And they say, oh, no, DU had 19 tackles. He played well. Like, no, 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 no. You don't understand how the game within the game goes. They keep DU has night and I don't want to make fun of him. So let me not use his name. Right. Let's just say whatever. Right. Team A is playing team B and the player on team B has 22 tackles. Like, yeah, you know why he had 22 tackles? Because they were all seven yards upfield. <laughs> the offense was all good <laughs> with letting him tackle people <laughs> where every two plays a first down. Trust me. Trust me. They look at that stuff and you can look at some of the games where our guys have had huge statistics in terms of tackles and this and that. But you're like, uh. Every tackle was 11, 12 yards downfield. Every time we put our backer 28 or two in a position where they're not necessarily spying, but they're seven to eight, seven to 10 yards. They're covering the whole, the, the curl area and, and the plays break down. The quarterback step up in the pocket, go watch it more often than not. They miss, but then they're trailing and they get to tackle him 11, 12 yards down the field. Well, that's a tackle, but is that a good tackle? Like, uh, right, if you look at it on paper, you're like, oh, man, he had a phenomenal tackle. But he missed the tackle at seven yards. He wasn't smart enough to see that that's what the quarterback was going to do and step up. So the quarterback doesn't even want to take it. They're in space. He misses. He takes a he takes an angle that he has to take, and then he grabs his legs after the first down. That happens to our team a lot, quite often, in fact. So, you know, thinking about that part, it's an area where Texas Tech, both quarterbacks, both of them, uh, are gonna are, are I'm surprised OSU didn't attack that more. Mm. And I think being multiple put Sanders in a position where you know he didn't necessarily know where people were gonna be. Cause go watch this game versus Wazoo or excuse me, West V. West V, our backer landmarks were very consistent. They lined up four yards off the line of scrimmage, or if we went to that 30, they lined up in that outside position, essentially playing the edge defender. Go look at our linebacker landmarks last night. They're at four. They're at two. They're at the line of scrimmage. They're outside. 
They're in the A gaps. They're in the B gaps, right? So it, it's it's hard for the quarterback to identify who's going to be the second level defender and who's going to be in the hole or be in the flat or be at the curl. They switched it up a ton. And I thought it was really, by the way, Bowman, did you notice that? Second yeah. and third quarter, Bowman's playing a ton at the second level, which that I was think interesting. is smart. Yep. So I think it's smart, right? It puts Sanders in a position. Is he spying me? Is is he going to be the whole defender? Is he going to be the one who's sitting at the curl? And if I if things break down, he's going to be the guy who comes up and tries to mirror me? It was smart of them to do. In fact, did you see what they did the last possession? Canick was out there. Yep. Saw that. Last yep. possession of the game. Canick is in the second yep. level. And I think DU is out, in fact. Yep. And Again, putting Sanders in a position where it's just a little confusion or uncertainty, and, and it helps, helped a lot. So weaknesses, they didn't change, Barry. I think that um, our, our our corners kill me in zone two. They give it up. Why do we give it up? Zone isn't, especially um, if you're on the three, if it's three by one, generally the corner is a two or a four. If it's a two, you play hard. You can bite on everything because you got a safety over the top. If it's a four, the backer should be flying to the fat and the other backer should be flying to the hole. We give up. Go watch how many times. And they it was pre-snap. They for sure schemed it. Third and fourth quarter, all of a sudden, you know, Sanders can throw. Like, dude, all of a sudden this guy, you know, all of a sudden Dylan can't throw and then Sanders is throwing dimes, right? Well, what they're doing is we're lining up and we're showing kind of a two. We, we, it's kind of it's kind of muddy because they're in trips, but we're in a four. The, the corner's bailing. And what they're running is the inside receivers kind of running a sit route. You just run four yards and sit, and you want to get covered up by the backer. The outside receivers kind of running a sit route. It's like a, it's like an out, but you're not running the out. You're just kind of turning out. And our corner is like hauling ass out of there. We gave it up. I don't know. We gave it up like four times. And I'm like, we've got to be smarter in communicating and saying, hey, stunts if you're going to be the guy who's supposed to get to the flat because backers push flat the second backer pushes hole like run through number two it drives me crazy that we don't get physical what stunt should be doing is taking his reach step and then push he has to push all the way to the flat and that number one is the flat not number two he's just got to run through number two He's just got to let number two just get his ass kicked because the uh, backers are allowed to run to their spot. They're allowed to. And he, he's getting like four times, man. I'm like, God dang, they started running it. You could see it. I'm like, oh, crap, they're going to run it again. And they'd always run it to the boundary because it's a short throw, right? So they do it to the boundary. It's a quick throw for the quarterback. Two curls up, four, five, six yards. He's basically just getting a stunt's way so stunt can't get to the flat. One is curling up with an outside. He's turning outside away from coverage so that, he, you know, the ball can be thrown uh, in that window. And our corners are 10 yards back. I'm like, dude, no one's running a 4-2-1-40, bro. You can kind of, you know what I'm saying? It's zone. You can look in the backfield. You can see what's happening. There's another safety. We were doing three deep safeties. So it wasn't even like it was one safety all the way on the other hash. There's a safety in the middle of the field, too. So things like that are things that uh, I look forward to more competition because you, you don't necessarily get a minus, but let someone let you do that rep in practice and the ball's completed. And then let a Vickers come in or, you know, let a, a Wagner come in. And one of these guys just uses instinct. 
and they say, hey, I know I'm in cover four, but they've run this play three times. Two is going to do a curl. I've got a middle safety, so I'm going to kind of just tell the safety, hey, if two does a curl and go, have my back, I'm going to jump this. Like some, someone's got to have that intestinal fortitude that have that level of instinct, that level of desire, because that's what it takes. You're playing the game within the game and you're saying, okay, I've seen this four times. You know, I know what you guys are going to do. Let me cover my behind, but also let me assert myself. And that is the whole, right? Our athleticism on the second level, and then just our football mechanics and IQ, I'd say all back seven. Hmm. Well, and that's the next level. I mean, to this defense, the no, no fans or buts about it. The, the next level is the the talent improves, and you're able to have those guys who play more in, instinctual, who have the the quickness and, and the ability to drive on the ball a little bit better. That I feel is coming. But but I want to ask, um, and this relates a little bit to the offense too. You know, one of the the sentiments from the fan base especially in that first quarter was was where has this been all year right uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball um and if you've watched OSU the past few weeks you you know that that OU generally ha- had them outmanned at quite a few positions not everywhere but but at a lot of spots the OU should always walk on the field with more talent than Oklahoma State that 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 just needs to be how it is but Throughout the week when you played, were there ever moments where, let's say you guys were were playing a team and, you know, Coach Venables or in your case, like Coach Mangino or whatever, that they saw a look and they said, man, if we can get into this, if we can run this, if we can scheme this up, we are going to get these guys. And throughout practice, they just didn't feel like the team was engaged enough and understood what they needed to do enough to go out there and feel confident running it and then vice versa were were there moments where the focus was so good you know defense offense you know whatever the case may be where where the coaches said you know what there's a lot of things that that we're feeling good about i think we um the guys are listening. We can stack some of these things on as, as we scheme it up and teach it. We had a great week of practice. What goes into the balance of what gets called in a game and why certain things sometimes don't make it into the game plan? Defensively? Yeah, but, but let's go offense and defense. Uh, just more from, from your experience. But I'm sure. curious okay. as it relates to the defense. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing, when we are developing a game plan and determining what we're going to use in a given week, uh, there is a level of knowing the percentages of coverage and style of defense that a defense is going to run. Right. So let me just give you, let me give you, let me give you an example. When you play K-State, K-State's going to play one or two, excuse me, they're going to play zero or one. And, and sometimes they'll play a three, which is really just a one or a zero two, right? It's just matchup whether they, their eyes are in the backfield, they're trying to jump stuff versus just trying to cover you. But when you're playing a K-State, you immediately know by style of coverage, they're not going to give us a lot of our junk routes. They're not Junk routes are great zone beaters. They're not going to give us a lot of options. They're not going to give us a lot of, let's run a curl flat with a corner concept. Let's cut, you know, levels is what we would call that kind of stuff. 
the, the, and the purpose they do that is to take all of that out of your game plan. Like, like they're saying the stuff you like to do, the easy reads, right? The pre-snap easy stuff. We're taking it away. In fact, they're like, we're taking away a ton of your quick game. We're going to line up head up to inside. Do you know why a team lines up head up to inside? Barry. I mean, I mean, I'm asking you yeah. uh, as if you, right. They want to well, take away slant. They want to take away any inside release because it's a, it's a quicker throw and it's an hmm. easier throw, right? You yeah. don't have to go through the defender for the ball to get to the receiver. Right? So what does K-State do? K-State plays head up to inside. So what play are they giving you? The fade, right? Mm -hmm. Like So like you go into a game and you're like, well, shit, I can't run a ton of curls. I can't run a, a ton of slants. We can't run our level stuff. It's hard to run our, our uh, under stuff, right? So we would run shallow routes, right? And what we would do is we'd run a shallow to one side and then the inside receiver on the opposite side would run a 10-yard in-cut dig kind of a, a route. It was a dig. We called it an, an in-cut, but 10 yards and, and dig across the field. It kind of it's, it's difficult to do that because you got to beat him just to run your shallow because he's inside of you. You got to like give up ground or you got to go upfield and get on the chase and then cut back underneath. I mean, it messes up timing. So what it puts you in a position to do is it's 1v1. K-State wants to play a game where it's 1v1 across the field and they are going to be sound and they're going to be tough. Like they're not going to take plays off where they're supposed to, you know, not let you cross their face and they do. Texas tried that. And we beat them because they weren't mentally tough. Texas wanted to take away our quick game, and we started running jet sweeps, and we're killing them. And once we kind of got in their head just a bit, they were out of there. K-State doesn't do that. And so from a game plan standpoint, I'm picking probably the most unique of the bunch. K-State had the most unique defense. But K-State said, okay, guys. Right, like reps that week were all about who could win on the fade, who could win on a corner out, right? Who could win? Uh, what was our three best routes that you know if they were going zero and they're gonna bracket you? Who the other thing they would do is bracket you. They'd play outside on the outside receiver, pushing you inside, and the safety would come down to seven yards. And if it's run, he's already robbing. He's hauling ass. I mean, he's 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 meeting Quentin Griffin. He's meeting whoever it is one yard behind the line. I mean, he's a backer. I mean, straight up, the same John McGraw and 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 Jared Cooper. Those guys are. I mean, they're essentially backers at an eight yard depth. But if it's a, a pass, they simply speed turn out of it, and they're inside of inside of you. It's kind of like it's like it's kind of like an inverted cover four. The safeties mm -hmm. now take away all inside stuff. It's impossible. The safety is walling you out from going anything inside, and the corners on top of you. The only route you can really run as a post, and they're both double covering you. It's a tough, tough defense to play. Now the game changed, and people spread out four wide, and then you know K State doesn't have six dudes to cover four receivers, and that's why. And then you know uh, Snyder leaves the first time, and, and things change. But game plan wise, the first thing you're looking at is the percentages of coverage the defense plays, because the percentages will tell you, okay, perfect. Let's just go the opposite side of the spectrum. You're playing Texas Tech. They're going to play a big cover two, cover five, right? A ton, which means we get to run everything in the playbook, right? The playbook's wide open. So let's just take it away from the K-State side, and then we go to Texas Tech. Well, now once we go there, we say, well, what are the plays we're the best at? So if if number one priority is to look at the percentages of defensive coverage and, and the style that the, the opponent plays, number two is all about you. What does OU do best? Man, we're damn good at levels because Josh Hype was going to get it to the right guy. 
Man, we're real good at shallows, right? Because shallows allow us to identify man versus zone. And on offense, it's a post-snap play that everybody speaks the same language. Coach, Coach Leach would always talk about speaking the same language. And the game of football, most of that language is spoken before the snap for the good teams. And by the way, it's even more so today, right? When OU runs their muddle huddle, you know, and the coach calls the play, the players immediately look at coverage and, and they are identifying what the responsibility is. And more often than that, I, I would be willing to bet, I don't know this new offense, but I'd be willing to bet they know who the ball is going to predominantly. In fact, it seems to me like Levy is essentially telling Dylan where to throw the ball, the level of comfort. But I digress to say um, shallow routes is a way, Barry, where pre-snap, we're all speaking the same language, but post-snap. Shallow routes give us all rules. Two guys are running uh, a fade or scene route. Two guys are running uh, running away from coverage. And if it's a zone, you sit. You know which hole you're sitting in. If you're the if you're the shallow receiver, you know what hole you're sitting in. If you're the dig receiver, so at the snap of the ball, and this is why we I mean, we dominate on this play. It's why college football the lat up until about I don't know five years ago. Everybody in college football started running it, and it was a play developed by Mike Leach because it was a play after the snap of the ball. It was easy for everyone on offense to know where to be, regardless of zone or man. Mm -hmm. And there are not very many plays that that is possible. And so, you know, we got really good at that stuff. By the way, one of our plays was scramble drill. We call scramble drill sometimes. And scramble drill was simply, oh, I made a play. It's a play. By the way, the teams that do it well, it's a freaking play, right? And hey, man, it's third and 17. We're running scramble drill. We would, we would generally call a play called 617 switch, which is essentially a levels, but it put us in trips to the, to the, it, mostly we'd run it to the boundary because we wanted a shorter throw, but we would generally run 16 7 switch scramble. And what that would essentially mean is we're going to like, you know, we got to run our route. Scramble means somebody's taking the corner out of the play. So we're running an outside fade. Corner gets, the corner gets turned out of the play. Number two receivers running a speed out, right? Take the flat defender and hold them a hard corner or a hard backer, hold that person in the flat. And then what we want to do is run the 17 yard um, corner out, set 12 to 17 yard corner out in that whole area, right? That, that, that play well. Team started running cover three, corners turning inside, uh, backer is taking, sinking and taking away, or the nickel is sinking and taking away the corner, and everybody just rallies to the out. So the play stopped working. Or we killed people with it the first half of the season. So you know what we did off of it? We'd run 617, switch, scramble. Oh, man. Everybody's roles changed. But because we would call scramble, we all knew what we were doing. Short receiver is now running. 45 degrees across the field. Uh, the 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 uh, whole defender who's running the 12 yard out is running like a dig, but as soon as they make eye contact with the quarterback, they're curling up, right? And then the, the, the receiver who's going deep runs two steps to the post, and then they're running, screaming down the sidelines. By the way, like the drop Farouk has on that third down where yep. Dylan kind of breaks, and then and you see Farouk coming back towards the ball. That's scramble drill rules. Oh, I mean, Barry, we would kill people because the corner, I mean, the defense is all running their responsibilities. And then at scramble, we all broke tendencies. Every one of those responsibilities was a tendency breaker in unison. And I mean, we would eat people up. We'd eat, mm -hmm. we, we, it was how we came back against AM. 
That 2000 game against AM, we ran scramble drill four or five times, three or four times. And every time it, we, we were able to get open because they had schemed us so well on defense. Their defensive game plan against us was phenomenal. Uh, in the red zone it, too, wasn't that Fagan's touchdown grab? Was that it could have been? Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, I think Fagan catches it near the front pro line because he's running yeah. around and then, and then he's kind of curling back the towards the pylon. I think you're right. Yeah, so from a game plan perspective, I'm talking offensively. You you, you want to know what the defense does because you want to know how to beat them to chess match, and then you do what you do well, and then you practice what you suck at because there are times where the defense will put you in a position to make you do what you don't want to do. Mm. Again, prime examples, K-State. Don't get in third along K-State. They're going to go cover zero. They're going to bring more than you can block, and they're going to bracket your outside receivers, and they're going to play inside out on your inside receiver, and it's why I'll be very honest. If you go back and watch that game, 2000, second half, I don't play much because their nickel was probably 5'8", strong dude, 5'8", 5'9", 195, thick guy. So he's an inch and a half shorter than me, probably my weight or a little heavier. And he won some of the one-on-ones against me. He was a senior. I was a, I guess I was a sophomore. You know what we do the second half? We just put Josh Norman in that position. Josh Norman, 6'3", 225. Mm. And we literally were run corners and outs um, and options to Jay Norm because it was a physical mismatch, right? And it's because on first and second down, K-State was just so physical. We we couldn't consistently uh, get the plays we needed. Yeah, we made big plays. Obviously, uh, I think... Uh, Vax Savage catches a touchdown on a six a six seventeen switch scramble. Savage catches a, a long one. Josh throws it to him. He catches on the sideline, takes it in for a tug. But um, point being, we knew that K State's defense in third and long was just they're getting off the field or they're going to punish your quarterback. You saw you saw Nate Hibble get punished the next oh year. I mean, they punished him right, and you know so at that that was how we game plan on defense. Same thing goes. On defense, you want to do what you do well. You want your guys playing with confidence. You want your guys not thinking. You want your guys reacting and instinctively uh, chasing the ball or 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 doing their rules. And I think for us, I feel like Coach, Coach V did his best job since probably Nebraska in putting the defense in a position where they could just go have fun. But the other half of it is what we talked about at the beginning. We got to lead. Those guys aren't feeling sorry for themselves because there's some confidence in saying, okay, we scored some points and, and they played a little more loose. That will conclude part one of our post-game podcast of the Barry and Mac Show. Make sure to go listen to part two available right now. Also, go leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the social media at Barry and Mac SHW on Twitter at the Barry and Mac Show on Instagram and D underscore Mac 13. And you can also find me at B Wise Fitness at the letter B W I S E Fitness. We will see you soon. <laughs>